All right, guys, welcome back to episode two of the Munchie Hunts podcast. Super pumped up tonight. So who do we have on the line here? Let me go ahead and start with Mr. Dink Swink Outdoors, Donnie Swink. What's happening, everybody? We got Big O's Bucktails, Mr. Owen Seaman. What's up, everyone? We got the BDN up north in the uh, great white city of Erie, Mr. Nick Beasler. Let's go, Doros. <laughs> and the one and only, we got him on the line tonight, boys, Mr. Pennsylvania Monsters, Tom Bonatta. The I worst came, fisherman I've ever met. The, I didn't come on for fishing. I came on because I got multiple messages saying that people were making fun of Crocs. So I came on as a brand ambassador to defend Crocs. Betty, to be Betty fair, Crocker. We were, making, we were making fun of you. Oh, okay. I got just it. Describing what you wear. Well, I can't I can't defend that, but I can defend why Crocs are elite. But myself, <laughs> not so much. Well, Tommy Two Crocs, we are happy to have you tonight. All five hunks together on the same call hunks assemble i'm super pumped let's go let's go all right so owen what is our topic here for episode two well episode two we're gonna get started here we're not gonna have any guests here tonight because we're doing these first two episodes kind of to to let everyone learn who we are do a little bit of background on all of us um we talked last week about you know, some of our fishing experiences recently, when Nick and I went to uh, Lake Nipissing, Donnie went out to Minnesota and fished, fished in the, uh, the musky battle out there. And we also talked about the, all three of you boys, uh, Ryan, Donnie and Tom fishing in the Three Rivers Inc. Uh, Allegheny tournament. So tonight, I think what we want to talk about more is kind of like how we got started in musky fishing, each one of us, because we're we're all completely, we've all come to musky fishing in different ways. Uh, we've all gotten to this point in different ways. So I think it would be interesting to hear how we all got here and also what we know now that what, like what we would tell our beginner selves, what we know now, you know, I, I cause I, I, I think back of, of mistakes that I made when we first started, when I first started and it's like, you know, what the heck was I thinking? And, you know, part of the point of this podcast is to say, look, we are far from the experts here. In fact, we are the absolute opposite of the experts. We are still trying to learn. So maybe people hearing, you know, the mistakes that we made and how we were knuckleheads or whatever uh, might be helpful to other people that are trying to get into musky fishing and trying to get started and are afraid to kind of get over that hump. Like, I'm, I don't want to embarrass myself by showing up someplace with this rod or this reel or, you know, I, I think there's a lot of looking down, looking down the nose of people, of beginners when it comes to musky fishing. It's the, everybody wants to, everybody wants to know more than the, than the guy next to them where, that's pretty intimidating to people who, who have never fished for musky before who have, you know, they don't even know what type of reel or what type of rod you would, you would want to throw. So I think the five of us with the, our experiences might be able to help out other guys that are, are just getting started. So who wants to get us started with their, their first, uh, I guess, let's say like, what's your, what was your first setup 
you know, as a muskie, as a muskie fisherman and how, like, what made you go out and buy that setup? Donnie. Uh, my first muskie rod and reel setup was a Cabela's Predator Muskie 8.6 heavy action rod, Cabela's brand, and a Shimano Cardi 400A uh, reel. And honestly, I still have that set up. Uh, it's, it, it still works. It's, Donnie, is that the uh, backup on my boat? Is that the camo, like the army green Cabela's yes. musky predator yes. rod? Yeah. I have one of those. I have my <laughs> Tranks 300 on it. I love, I absolutely, that was, that was my second musky rod, but go ahead. That's a, that's awesome, man. Yeah. It's actually, a, it's a pretty nice rod. Uh, it does the job. I've caught a lot of fish on that rod. I've actually switched it around, put different reels on it over the years. Uh, it's still on my boat as a backup to this day. But honestly, I, I had no idea what I was doing when I went to Cabela's that day. I was at Cabela's in Wheeling. I just wanted to buy some musky stuff. I went on a trip to Minnesota with my buddy up there who, you know, I went mus musky fishing up there, but he had everything. I didn't own a thing. And then I came back, wanted to get into it, and I just drove to Cabela's and I was talking to the my buddy in Minnesota on the phone and, and a clerk at Cabela's or a sales associate, whatever you want to say. And uh, that's the, that's the rod and reel I came home with, with some 80 pound power per braid and uh, Cabela's brand uh, fluorocarbon leaders and a couple uh, flat sticks and double 10 bucktails, whatever you could buy at Cabela's, you know, and, and that's, that was, that was what I started with. And I did a lot of, a lot of casting, not a whole lot of catching, but it it eventually got the job done, and I was able to put some fish in the boat with that setup. But so you said you you still that that rod and reel are still in play in some in some you know form or fashion in your boat. Yeah, uh, the reel uh, it it it's not on the same rod, I, but I have used that reel. I haven't used it as much in recent years, just because I have a bunch of bunch of way too much stuff now you we all know how that goes but uh the the rod yeah i actually still use the rod quite a bit i really do i like that rod a lot the only thing i don't like about it is that i wish the uh you know the butt was a little bit longer on it but overall it's a great musky rod for a hundred bucks i mean i would still i'd recommend that to somebody starting out in my opinion i've never had any issues with it i've had a lot more expensive rods that i bought over the years that didn't last as long i'll say that so that's a so that's a great point that if someone's out there and they they're looking to you know buy a musky rod and they're they're looking at you know all the pros and they're using you know the Shimano Skicks and you know the four hundred dollar rods you know there are options out there that you can you can go and buy that are significantly cheaper than than those high super high end rods and like you Donnie I still use my Cabela's uh, musky Predator. And honestly, I'd rather, I, I wish I could find like one more of those because I love them for my kids. They're, they're like, they're just small enough. And like you said, the butt end is, is not as unreasonably long, which for us, mm -hmm. you know, for us, I prefer to have the longer butt end, but for both of my kids, I have two of those rods and I have, I have uh, reels on those for, for my kids to, to go out and throw those around and pretend like they're musky fishing and they love it, man. They love it. Yeah. That's what Nick does. Just pretends like he's musky fishing. Right. And I still catch more than Tom. That's other people, other people catch fish and he throws baits in their mouth and like picks yeah, them up right. and holds them. Yeah. Up. That's right. 
So, Tom, speaking of, uh, yeah. of you're, I mean, I'd, I'd call you the expert all around fisherman in the group. No, uh, <laughs> jack of all and master of none. That's so. So, what was your first setup? Well, Tom? I'll kill two birds with one stone. So, my first, Donnie loves his first setup, and my first setup was like the dumbest first setup you probably could ever buy. So, I was out in Wisconsin, and I knew nothing about musky fishing, but obviously, everywhere in Wisconsin, they have like musky shops, like we have sheets around here. So I'm out there and me being cheap, I just wanted to buy like the cheapest thing they had, but all they had was like high end stuff like St. Croix and name brand and stuff. So St. Croix are priced like the shorter ones are cheaper than the long ones and the lighter ones are cheaper than the heavy ones. So I went with like a seven foot medium light St. Croix Triumph, which at the time, like I was like a carp fisherman and stuff. So that was still like a big rod to me, like looking at it and holding it. I'm like, wow, this is like a stiff rod. And then I started throwing baits with it. And I, the reel I had was just an Ambassador C3, uh, like a 6,500 size. And the reel was all right. It was slow, but I'm throwing these like double tens on this seven foot medium heavy rod. And it's like bending down to the cork as I'm retrieving. I'm just like, <laughs> God, I don't know how guys do this. Like, this is crazy. Like I, I'm using a, a reel with a 5.3 to one ratio. So I'm, I'm reeling as fast as I can to get this bucktail in with a rod that's bent down to the cork and it was like everything was just wrong. So like I, that was one of the mistakes I made was like just going with like such a short light rod when I started out just because like, I mean, compared to like a bass rod or a trout rod, it's still a big rod. But when you get to throw in these like musky lures, like big crankbaits and big bucktails, it's really not like a heavy rod. And so that, I mean, that right off the bat, that was a mistake I made. I would have gone with a rod at least like eight and a half to like nine feet and a little beefier to allow me now to when, use all the lures. When did you buy that? Because when I first, when I bought my first rod, like they, they weren't into the eight foot, you know, nine foot rods. My first rod was a seven foot six, I think Fenwick, like yeah. heavy. And it's, it was, you know, because that was the, that was, what i was told was a musky rod at the time yeah i don't i don't think they had nine foot rods back then oh well, this wasn't that long ago. this was maybe like five six years ago when i like really got serious about musky fishing so at the time i think they did have longer rods but they were just like way more expensive and i went into that shop thinking i'm like i'm gonna spend a hundred dollars to start musky fishing and then i realized like quickly i was wrong but I tried to stay, I tried to keep the budget down as much as possible. And I did that by buying a short rod, which was a giant mistake, like a real short, light rod. And I still use it. But what I throw on it now, just to give you an idea, are like six inch jakes, or like I could get away with throwing a top rater, like small rubber, like mini Medusas, and like real, like small swimmers, small swim baits, like really small, like bass stuff almost. And there I am trying to throw like double tens and like 10 inch jakes with it. And it just wasn't happening. So right off the bat, that was my first. I mean, that was like literally the first mistake I ever made was just buying the wrong rod by going too light and going too short. So if you, so if you were to, you know, make a recommendation to someone that was, that wanted to pick up a more, you know, cause I get, I get people that contact me like friends that, you know, want to buy a bucktail and whatnot. And I say, you know, do you have like, what type of yeah. fishing setup do you have? Because I don't want to give you a bucktail. I don't want to give you even double eights. If yeah. you, if you all only have like medium, a little heavy rod, yeah. spinning rod. Right. Yeah. So, you know, what, like for someone that just wanted to, to get started, you know, what would your, what would your recommendation be? 
I mean, I'm not the first to say it, but like a nine foot heavy, like I feel like that's like the standard is like a nine foot heavy action or maybe even extra heavy, depending on like if you're going to throw a lot more bucktails and stuff, maybe an extra heavy or like if you're into throwing rubber, maybe an extra heavy. But if you throw a lot of top water and crankbaits and like average size stuff, like a nine foot heavy will do you really well. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think if you're starting out and you're only going to buy one rod, you, you yeah. want either an eight six or you know eight six at a minimum or a nine foot heavy, uh, you know whatever is is probably your best bet. If all around rod, it, it'll get you through, and and you know you can throw everything from double tens to you know some of the smaller stuff yeah. as well. And so, if you've never musky fished and you hold that rod for the first time, it's going to seem like the biggest, most insane rod you've ever held in your life. But then you get to throw in lures and you realize it's like it's really well suited for musky baits. Right. Unless Ryan Reed and you just throw it on a Shakespeare ugly stick spin yeah. rod all the time. Six foot ugly done. stick all around the board. Well, I, think, I, I think we're all to the point in our musky fishing experience that we have multiple rods for multiple applications i know i do i know spending a week with nick i know he does you know you you kind of get into this where you once you have one rod you figure out what you like about that rod what you don't like about that rod and then you can go from there like donnie said i've switched reels on rods you know constantly but if you were to you know really break it down to one rod that that you know i use on the most regular basis it's probably a nine foot or the nine foot six uh you know heavy or or extra heavy you know and it, you, you can't go wrong with one of those two and that you can pretty much do just about anything you want with mm -hmm. with one of those rods it might struggle on like double tens and like monster medusas but like what beginner in their right mind is like going right to the monster medusa <laughs> feel like you're gonna start like i did anyway i started small and kind of worked my way up in lure size like i started with like top raiders and stuff like that and worked my way up to the rubber i uh so i just want to say that first we, we can't all be like you know ugly stick pro staff i mean it takes a really special individual to be able to <laughs> catch muskies on a you know a seven foot Medium I heavy Shakespeare ugly stick, uh -huh. you know. Have the stock, magic touch. stock. I've reel. been looking. I've been looking everywhere to find those ugly sticks that we were using up in Canada, Nick. All the the customs. The customs, like you can't find those things anywhere. No, I, I've been. I looked quite a bit too. The most recent listing I could find was from like 2011 or something like right. that. Right. There's like a weird market on eBay for like rare ugly sticks. These I were mean, definitely these are... like ocean rods. Yeah. Had uh, like coiled uh, guides, real real heavy duty, but they. I mean, these were these were casting rods. They were, I think. Well, yeah, must have been yeah, ocean they were casting. casting rods. Yeah, probably like deep sea trolling rods. Really, like tuna yeah, rods, trolling or something. Okay. But they're eight footers. I mean, they pulled anything with no problem. And they just had like a really nice backbone to them and i don't even know how to really describe it like yeah. when you, they gave a really nice feedback on the baits that you had out there yeah. where you could really see what your baits were doing as opposed to some i don't know i have a couple trolling rods that i just i just don't like 
you know, maybe yeah. maybe it's because they're nine foot long and maybe we're getting down a rabbit hole. We shouldn't <laughs> be headed down right now. But but yeah, yeah that's, uh, you know, broad specificity. We're getting into, you know, the, the very specifics where you can do it with just about anything right. if you want to. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people I've fished with that have a very particular what they're looking for as far as stiffness and that rod tip action, how much of the rod is really, you know, taking up that action when you're trolling and stuff like that, where the flex is in the rod. I mean, those ones are almost stiff with just the tip. You know, I mean, even with like hard pulling baits, it was impressive. They were nice rods. Right. Right. Tough to find. Well, Nick, so tell us your, uh, your beginner story, so to speak. So mine's kind of in depth. I, my grandfather was a muskie fisherman. He passed away before I was ever born, but we've always had two of his rods kicking around and I've got the one right in front of me right now. It's an Eagle Claw. Ooh. Starfire. Wow. Ranger Ocean popping rod. Seven footer. Says 10 to 25 pound line weight, two ounce lures. Sounds but, like a Ryan Reed rod. Yeah, with the <laughs> Abu 5500. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd hate to tell my grandfather that he's wrong with the reels left handed. Weird. <laughs> but uh, so that was like the one of the those two rods have always kicked around uh it was kind of fortunate enough uh i uh took one of them out once i started to kind of figure out what i was doing we caught probably a half dozen muskies on it and then i put it away and i told my grandmother about it she goes uh I think those are probably the only muskies that Rod has ever caught. Because <laughs> I, I don't remember your grandfather ever bringing one home. So I thought that was kind of funny. Never hit the pan, huh? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> but That's the, unfortunate. The more I've learned, I guess he was slightly afraid of uh, water. So he was strictly a shore fisherman. Nothing wrong with that, but it limits you some. Uh, but yeah so those i've those have always like piqued my interest as i was younger and then uh kind of like spurned me to to musky fish uh the one bar right near where he would always fish had like this nice deck that look out over the water and at night you'd see you'd see muskies jumping out of the water hitting stuff on the surface you know it was always like a just a draw for me as a little kid sitting there while my parents pounded beers you know and uh but it was my entertainment and then i was fortunate enough to meet my good friend that i fish with all the time and we ended up going to canada quite a bit and we would work as dock boys at his uncle's fishing camp and then that was where i saw my first muskie some cabana boy is that what they call those what's that is that what they call those a cabana boy yes that's right (laughs) I can oil you up, oil you down, whatever yeah, you want. Yeah. Sunscreen, mojitos, <laughs> yep. thoughts so. Bail you out, whatever yep. you need. But what uh, resort is this? Which one? I said, which resort is this? I want to book my trip for next it's, year. I honestly, <laughs> I, I feel like it's in my is, basement. Uh, <laughs> come on up. Wow. Take care of you. This is like the only reason Tom now wants to go to Canada. Yeah, just right. learned about dock boys. Yeah, wax on, wax on, boys. Wow, that's right. All right, 
Um, so anyway, I'm going to call him Jamokes. These guys brought a muskie back in a like Rubbermaid tote to the dock <laughs> because they wanted to get their picture with it. And this was, I mean, Canada already had an established minimum size limit of 54 inches. And they were maybe halfway there. That must be a big tote. These guys bring it back. I get their picture with it. Then spent, you know, probably 20 minutes trying to get this fish to come back. Uh, I'm not going to guarantee anything. It it did swim off, but it was still, it was upright, but, you know, tail out of the water. It didn't look good. But that was the first time I, you know, really got hands on on a muskie, which trying to bring it back to life and ended up with a few cuts on my fingers because I didn't didn't fully know that you can't just, you know, stick your hands anywhere on those ones. But uh, yeah. That so was, was uh, that the first time you had handled handled a muskie? Yeah, I, I had fished for them quite a bit up there, but uh, I'm going to say we were doing it all wrong, <laughs> throwing like red-eye wigglers and you know, top raiders out in the middle of you know 80 feet whoa, of water. Whoa, what's wrong with that <laughs> what's wrong about that i wouldn't say it's ineffective but <laughs> i was doing it in the wrong place uh, yeah. we were convinced that you know muskies prowl around in 100 feet of water and that sort of thing which not saying that they don't occasionally but we never crossed paths <laughs> with one that was lost so, so in terms of uh you know your equipment wise have you you know where have you gone from there in terms of you know what have you learned from what your grandfather was fishing with and what you caught muskies on you know as opposed to what what you're using right now uh what i use now is like a combination i have a couple nine foot six rods like extra heavies that i can pretty much throw anything on um what i like a lot is i have uh probably four of them now they're the shimano compres but the older they just remade them now but i had a bunch of the eight foot compre medium heavies and i actually have two of those i leave in canada all the time two of them here and then like that's what i was throwing the bucktails on while we were up there Owen. and uh hold on what was that <laughs> dog has an antler um <laughs> <laughs> the dog has an antler <laughs> so uh i actually leave a couple of those compres in canada like they're almost my ideal rod for the fact that they're like short enough that they're not a huge pain to haul around in the car and they're stiff enough they work really well with like jerk baits what i like to throw glide baits still have enough feedback to to really work for me are and they one piece just, or two piece? One piecers, eight foots. Uh, so I just leave the rod there, and then haul my reel back and forth whenever we go up, and then so I'm always ready. Leave what do you up. guys think about the 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 one piece versus two piece versus telescoping uh, debate? Because I'm 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 of the opinion that I almost like insist on having a, a collapsible or telescoping or two piece bait at this point because a nine foot one piece rod is so freaking hard to mm -hmm. do anything with. You That's know? what I think. I think I would like to fish with a one piece better, but for ease of moving one around, the collapsible or two piece is 
essential. Yeah. I think all mine that are nine or bigger are collapsible or that like I have a premiere. I think it's like nine foot three and it breaks down right above the handle. That one's kind of annoying, honestly, because then you're left with like a club and then like a nine foot portion, which is like kind of stupid, but it's it's better than having the full rod, like especially if you're trying to jam them in rod lockers or in the car. Or... I've, I've been really, really happy with the collapse with the telescoping rods that I've used lately, especially mm-hmm. the uh, uh, the chaos, the old the green ones the s the uh i have a shock and awe and i have uh what was the one swat the the swat That's so what and I, I, and and dude i got i got the one this year but it was last year's version with that new pistol grip on it yep and holy cow does that make a difference man mm-hmm. i like that i would i would buy another one of those things just for that just for the grip handle again because it, i mean it's if, it, if, if, if anyone doesn't know what I'm ergonomic. what I'm talking about, it's like the it's not like the jig ripper, which is you know four to six inches ahead of your reel on you know it's it, where it's placed. It's ahead of your reel. Where this one is like literally right where you're normally holding your reel. Like where the trigger of, usually is. Yeah, <laughs> instead of holding your reel like this, you get to hold it like that with your thumb still on the back of the reel to free spool it. You know, if you catch a fish, I mean, I've, I thought that that rod when we were in Canada made a huge difference in terms of throwing bucktails because of the amount of leverage you're able to put on that, as opposed to, you know, you're putting it just on those, your wrist in, you know, with a regular rod, whereas with that trigger, I don't even know what, what exactly they call it, but whatever it is, it's, I think it's maybe the revolution real seat. Yeah. Whatever it is, man, I, I I'm not into gimmicks really, but that one it definitely definitely looked like it was way more comfortable hand one. Just the position of your hand instead of having it, you know, balled up right where the it, you know it's where the rod horn would normally be, where you'd have a little bit of grip, but you have they basically like a took a jig ripper and made it better. Like because a jig ripper, right. like it's kind of it can be a little awkward how it's like real perpendicular to the rod and straight. And, and they took that revolution and it's like angled. And yeah, not as well. The jig ripper, the jig ripper encourages you. I mean, to it, be out past your reel. Yeah, you can't you can't have your thumb on on anything and still use the jig ripper because mm. you got a reel with whatever your you know whatever your reeling hand is it's the jig rippers in the other hand where yeah. this one you're you're Way not more off of, yeah you're not off of the yeah. reel the jig ripper yeah. has you off right. the reel where this one has you still on the reel but still be still being able to put that same type of force yeah onto a hook set or just just the type of force onto reeling you know double tens and whatnot in so i mean if again if anyone's out there looking to looking to buy a you know a, a new rod that's something that personally i would 100 percent be looking at would be that real seat that allows you to with a, with more of like a pistol grip yeah. uh to to get leverage but Rye, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit of. I know you, we we bust your balls because you you're like known to catch muskies on on a on an ugly stick and a husky jerk. So, tell us a little bit about how you got started, what your first setup was, and like how you made mistakes. Well, I mean, I can tell you that the the way I got into musky fishing was strictly through fishing for pike. 
so you know it was it was on my list my, my buddy dan got me into essentially pike fishing and we made this trip to canada and after that trip you know that that trip for me was more like bass style fishing you know i had my my little abu bass rods and i was whipping spinner baits and rattle baits and that sort of thing i mean i threw probably more bass type baits up there and caught you know tons and tons of pike you know that that first trip up and you know, it, it was one of those things where I just, I came home and I wanted to get into musky fishing and it just so happened that, you know, we had a musky max coming up and it wasn't, I think it was the first musky max I was at after the Butler fishing show that was at the high school, but, you know, went there. I, I had no idea what I was getting into. I bought like four, six inch grandmas and that was it, man. I wanted to go musky fishing. So, you know, I, it's a progression like anything else. I mean, you, you guys know how it is. We all make mistakes with gear. Um, my first rod, you know, it was a Cabela's Torney series rod. It's an eight foot extra heavy. Um, I paired that with a, with an Abu C4, you know, that, that was my, essentially my first musky setup. Uh, I still have the rod. I, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the noise. I was trying to pull it over here to get the specs off of it. And I jammed it in my ceiling fan. <laughs> Nice. You and fans <laughs> controlling motors. And... Yeah. I, uh, it, 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 so I made that mistake about 10 minutes ago. Um, but no, that's, it's fine. I, uh, you know, it's, it's a great rod. It was a great starter rod. Like Donnie said, I mean, it's similar pricing Cabela's rods. Um, I felt like that C4 was a pretty decent reel to start out with, but like anything else you realize, you know, when you're trying to throw bigger baits, it's, it doesn't really handle it as well. You know, I'm not saying it's a, yeah, I mean, it's a good reel, but it's not going to, it's going to really work you when you're working, you know, double tens and, and a lot of the bigger baits and, and quite honestly, it just doesn't pick up as much line, you know, as a, as Alexa or, you know, any of the other type bigger reels that are out there right now. So, you know, the Shimano's do that and the, and the C4s just don't, you know, it's just most of your Abu round reels. Like that first one I got to, I'm looking at it now is a five, three to one. So like the right. round reel, usually I think they make like a rocket that's kind of fast, but most of the round ones are going to be really slow. Mm -hmm. those, and I, those, I noticed that those C4s are good reels though. I mean, yeah. Like we've, oh yeah. We've got a lot of fish trolling them. They don't break. They're like indestructible. Yeah. Yep. And Great I think yeah, that's a nice thing about those those round face reels too. Is a lot of them have clickers. So yeah. if if you're starting out again and you you know you're able to use that to troll a little bit and to cast, you know that's the same thing with like the yeah. Cardiff or the uh, the Calcuttas by Shimano or those C4s yeah. by Abu. You know they're pretty versatile for a starter reel mm -hmm. and a reasonable price point. I don't know the Calcutta had it had the clicker. Yep. Oh yeah, mine does anyway. Yeah, interesting. Both <laughs> mine do. Hmm. Yeah, I was so say, I have I've, a couple of them. They have clickers. Yeah. So everybody, I, if you if like if you had if you had a budget of say, what I think is reasonable, like three hundred dollars, to go out and buy a rod and a reel, Tom, what would your suggestion be? Oh God! Um, Quick, like three hundred bucks. Uh, Kuming. No, not. And I don't mean that. Like, to, like yeah, around that. You know, three hundred yeah. to four hundred dollars. I mean, you could get uh, like uh, the one I'm getting. I I think I have an IOU out for one for you. Uh, Okuma EVX. I think it's like a hundred bucks, hundred and ten bucks or something. And they're they're a little softer. Like they have a little more flex than like your traditional like quote musky rod, but they'll do the job. 
And then a reel. I mean, that's like another mistake I made right off the bat. I wanted to go like balls to the wall on a rod and buy like a $400 St. Croix. And then I was like, okay, now let me go find like a $50 reel. And I would, I would flip flop it. I would go for the cheap yeah. rod, whether it be like a bulldog rod or an EVX or like an, any no name rod, like a Cabela's rod. And I'd go nice on the reel. Like get yourself a nice like a Tranks or Alexa or something like whatever. If your team dial, what team should want to take your pick? They all do the same thing. They all break eventually, but just buy yourself a higher end reel, like a, something nice. And treat, would you would you suggest them. would you suggest something in the four hundred range in terms of the reel? Or I think you know, obviously on, there's a price difference. Yeah, I think that depends on your rod too. If you're going with like a heavy you're going to it's a 500 it's going to feel like not balanced it's going to be feel wacky if you go small and you get like a put like a 300 tranks on a heavy musky rod it's going to feel wacky i feel like i I have a 400 on my nine foot heavy i like that a tranks 400 i have alexa 400 that that seems to go well with like a nine foot eight foot six heavy i'd save like i wouldn't go right to like the tranks 500 or like the biggest reel you can find and then throw it on like an eight foot six medium because you're going to have this massive heavy reel and this light wimpy rod like save like the tranks 500 for the extra heavy or the extra extra heavy rods or right so you want you want to try to match that reel if you're gonna if you're gonna go with a shorter rod like maybe an eight foot or eight and a half eight six yeah uh you know you're gonna go with it that you could probably get away with a smaller reel yeah. maybe a tranks 300 or something yeah, 300 but or 400 lexa i actually i i think my 400 lexa is quite a bit larger than my trans 400 yeah yeah they're big yeah. like i mean I feel like the size of that 400 Lexa is more akin to the 500, the 500 tranks. Yeah. Tranks. Yep. Well, okay. I thought I might be crazy by saying no, that. No, that's but. definitely right. There is one other element to this too, that I feel is important. And I know it's made a huge difference for me. Um, take that C4, for example, you know, the one thing that I didn't realize I could do until, you know, Dan pointed this out to me at the time was you can actually upgrade to the power like the power handle. And I think, you know, when you go to that power handle on that C4, it does change it a little bit. It does help with certain things. Um, So, I mean, there are some modifications and things like that you can do to these reels. Like I personally really like that Dow, that, that Dow Alexa and particularly with that, that wind grip on it or whatever that wind you know, cat the ball on the end of the, the real Alexa that, wind. Yeah, that's, I mean that thing. They, is, yeah, that's the one I have. It's it's the Lexa WN four hundred or something, and it's uh, I had I had the blue one last year and I got the black one this year and it I absolutely love those reels. I mean, and, and I I kind of saw myself as a Tranks guy before before getting the Lexa, but man, those things are good, man. And they're you know the price point at the Lexa, you can get that lexa win brand new for 250 mm-hmm. where you know a tranks you know retail is 300 so that's a 50 dollars savings right off the bat you know and if you're if you're smart and you wait until show season when you know you might be able to get some you know you get a reel at 20 25 off from one of these sites i mean you could really make something happen for about 300 bucks oh you know, if you sure. if you can get if you can find if you can get a dio alexa or something like that for say 200 dollars on sale plus a hundred 150 dollar uh rod i mean you're in business man like you I mean, can if really you can really do just about anything oh, yeah. musky wise with that that setup 
if you're talking 300 bucks, like as a general rule, I'd say maybe like put 100 into the raw, 200 into the reel. I think that's a go, very go, good go bigger on the reel, cheap out on there. If you're going to cheap out on anything, don't cheap out, but if you're going to cheap out on anything, cheap out on the rod, get yourself an off brand rod. Or So, speaking of cheaping out, I decided to just do something kind of silly and, and I bought one of those $99 Pissifun, Pissifun, or oh, whatever the Pissifun. Piscifun, yeah, that thing is smooth as hell. I yeah. mean, I haven't fished it much, so it might it might break, it might just like fall apart, and it probably will. But let me tell you, man, that thing feels nice. And for ninety nine bucks, if someone isn't you know going to be out there pounding the water with it, uh, right now then the jury's still out on my on my end. But for ninety nine bucks, hell, it feels pretty darn good. So. For anyone out there listening, that's something to to think about. I have a funny story related to that. Remember, you and I talked in Canada. My buddy has one. Yes. Um, which he, I mean, we were out fishing. He caught two 40-plus fish on it throwing Medusas uh, up in Canada. But I, he just posted on his Instagram story this week that he snapped the real handle off of it. <laughs> and then he's like complaining that he has no luck with reels when you know i mean he's caught plenty of fish on it uh, you know what i mean what do you expect for right i mean we we pay yeah. we pay that much for lures at times you know what right. i mean and yeah. if to, to get a reel for that much so uh, again it's not that's not how i would start my musky career with the with a 99 reel because i think like tom said you probably want to if you're going to skimp on something you want to skimp on the rod, you can get a good rod, a stiff rod yeah, for eight, 80 to 100 bucks. Yeah. You oh, can't yeah. necessarily get a high, a really good, dependable reel for that type of money. You're going to have to go into the $200 range, mm-hmm. I think, to, to really get it. But again, if you're going to musky fish, you got to also understand that this is an investment. Like, this is not something that you you just pick up and and go out and start catching muskies like you you've got to say okay if this is something i really want to do and i want to learn how to do okay maybe it's worth spending three hundred dollars four hundred dollars to to get the equipment to do it i mean i think all five of us with with how much money we've all spent on this hobby Mm -hmm. uh to this point i think we can all agree that it's better to go quality uh, over, you know, the cheap stuff, but we were all in that position where we, we needed our first, our first setup. And at that point you gotta, you know, you, you buy what you can and you, you do what's you go from there. And some people hate it and some people get addicted and end up buying 12 more rods, like all of us. I, I think there I still, is, I still like to cheap out. Yeah. yeah. I think there is uh, another element to this too, along the lines of what you were saying, Owen, about you know, essentially sticker shock. You know, I, I like to, I like to kind of bring this up because, you know, when you're looking at golf clubs, for example, you know, and you spend $1,200 on tailor made, you know, tailor made irons, you know, it really is an investment. You're going to have those clubs for probably 10 plus years. At least I would, you know, when you're looking at this musky gear, what I didn't realize then that I know now is just that you know this is a this is like you almost get that sticker shock effect when you go to the store you know after never doing this walking in and dropping four hundred dollars on a combo you know but i still have that stuff it still works 
you know, it's that I catch fish on that stuff. You know, it's like you almost have to prepare your mind mentally to know like, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, right. Like just, it's an investment, you know, I would have probably avoided, you know, maybe that C4 combo, even though it was a good combo, I might have avoided that if I know what I know now, if I knew that then. So, you know, it's just, you're right. It's an absolute investment into the sport. I think a lot of people's first uh, reaction, you know, most people's experience with fishing equipment is that it falls apart. It gets tangled. It rusts. It, you know, it turns to shit because everyone has their old, you know, their old man stuff. And, but with musky, musky gear, it is so differently, I guess, designed in the sense that you're, some yeah. i mean you're you're always going to get the cheap knockoffs but when we're talking about quality if you if you go out and spend the money and you want to and you're willing to spend the money i mean you can buy a really solid musky setup that's going to last you like ryan said a decade if not mm-hmm. more you know a decade if not more so that's a you know what is you're not going to get that out of a out of out of a four hundred and fifty dollar uh, Titleist or tailor made driver, which is going to be obsolete in in three years, whenever they've had you know five other iterations of of golf clubs since then. Musky fishing isn't evolving like golf clubs are. You know the tranks, you know the tranks and the Lexas and that that type of technology. It is what it is. So if you buy quality right now, you're going to still have that. I, yeah. at least i don't know if you guys agree i don't yeah. see like technology other, advancing in musky fishing yeah well that like makes me think of like another mistake i used to make so like i had like all these reels starting out like i have my lex 300 my lex 400 my tranks 400 my tranks 500 and after like like first starting out musky fishing you're, like somebody said before you're doing a whole lot of cast and not a lot of catching so you were just like beating the brains out of these reels, just like cast, 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 just nonstop. And just like anything else, they break eventually. So they're breaking. And I was treating them like a bass reel or something, like a $30 like Walmart reel. I was just putting them on the shelf. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that reel's done. But like these high-end reels, like if you're paying $500 for like a Tranks, you can email Shimano and tell them like, hey, my reel's acting funky. And you can get a shipping label, mail it back to them. They'll have like, a tech look at it analyze what's wrong with it they'll give you a breakdown on how much the parts cost to fix it and i don't think i've sent so many reels back and i don't think i've ever had one go over like 50 bucks to fix so if you do and it's gonna happen you're gonna blow reels apart eventually if you're fishing enough you just literally whatever company it is abu daiwa shimano you email them let them know hey i'm having some issues with this really expensive reel i bought and they're always they're usually glad to fix it it's so not always free but here's something that just kind of hit me as we're talking here is i don't know of any local real guys no like, and don't trust them either just go right well, that's but but yeah. that's but i don't want to say that i don't want to say because yeah. i don't yeah. want i don't want to be cynical about everything i what i guess what i'm saying is i would like to find a local real guy that yeah. can be trusted well, i'm not naming so, names but i've tried to and they've both ruined reels around so i always I mean, go through the company like it's just a guarantee they know what they're doing they know their reels you know right but i'm also the type of guy that i you know if someone next door can do it yeah yeah and so if if there's someone out there that knows of somebody who is a an accomplished you know real technician that can handle shimano's that can handle the lexas i would love to 
I would love to give them a shot. I mean, I would love to give them a shot. You know, I've got a couple of reels that I would love to have serviced locally. I don't like the idea of sending them to Wisconsin or whatnot to some guy out there, but I also don't like the idea of sending them back to Shimano or Daiwa because, uh, you know, it's like a car. I don't really like having my car serviced at the dealership either because they're going to gouge you. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, everything is a premium when you send something back to the dealership. So anyways, are, I don't want to sound killing a, killing a month of your. Well, I like to go buy another one. That gives you an excuse to go shopping. There you go. That's, I mean, that's happened to me. I was up on St. <laughs> yeah. Clair. That's part I, of the reason why I have so many reels. Yeah. Yep. What was the one you broke the other day, Donnie? Oh, that was yeah. At Leech Lake. Well, my Minnesota trip, I broke my uh, my Revo. It broke the real seat. Broke right off of it. That's a telescopic really? mistake. You could highlight that. That's a kind of a yeah. mistake. Were you banging the tele? Were you banging the yeah. rod down? So, uh, I, honestly, I don't really know. The trank. The tranks. I'm sorry. Sorry. The tranks are like are like notorious for that. For if you if you try to if you're telescoping rod is stuck and you try to knock it on the ground and jam it down that that tranks real seat will break yeah well so do the revos for the record <laughs> uh yeah it, what was so weird to me is even you know i i was using my chaos tackle swat which i love that rod i have a couple of them uh never had an issue with it really sticking on me and it yeah. was weird i i cast it out uh and on the cast, it collapsed on me. So, you know, it must not have been out the whole way or whatever. You know, it, it loosened up. It collapsed when I cast it. So I, I one-handedly just pulled the rod back out to, you know, get it back to where it was supposed to be, reeled it in, and my eyelids were crooked because I just haphazardly pulled the rod back out on the cast went to collapse it back down and that one handed on the cast pull out of the rod. Somehow I got it jammed up so well that I could not get it to collapse back down. And it was actually like, I was trying to do it. I was trying to get it to collapse. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And I handed it to Mike Conklin, who I was fishing with because I didn't want to beat the rod butt off of his boat, honestly. So I told, I gave it to him and told him to see if he could get it to collapse. And he banged it off his boat like two times and it just broke right off and hit the ground. So, you know. Yeah. So I've, I've heard that before. And that's a lesson learned. If you have a, if you have a telescoping rod that is stuck mm-hmm. in the out position, take your reel off before trying to bang it on the on the floor of the boat or anywhere because that those real seats will break yep learn from my mistakes people yeah it was that's a five what, well you don't want to hear about my my mistakes of my my rod at the bottom of can, of canadota lake oh, yeah. six hundred dollars in action Oh, what a terrible feeling. <laughs> that can happen to anybody. I mean, that's it's an just an awful one feeling. I lost right. one at Watch- Twin Lakes, too. Watching random. a rod float away from you. Mm-hmm. Oh. I had one so- last year. I was, I was lucky enough. Uh, I was fishing on the river with my friend Jordan, and he caught a fish right at dusk. Uh, I netted it, 
I don't honestly, I'm still not even exactly sure what happened in the midst of the musky mayhem, but you know, netted the fish, took the pictures, everything got ready to start casting again. And I'm walking around the boat. It's, it's getting dark. And I said, Jordan, I'm like, you know, where's my rod? He's looking around, can't find it anywhere. Just happened to look over. Luckily the cork from the butt was allowing the rod to float. I look over and right alongside the boat floating in the water is my, the butt of my rod sticking out of the water. I had no idea it was still there. Luckily I was able to grab it and get it back. uh, So that was a crisis averted there, but it had one great. I had one we snag bottom trolling. Start backing up, and one of our down rods slipped out of the rod holder, fell in, gone. It was already cranked up to the leader. Brand new DK lure on it. It's almost worse than the rod. And then what was worse was the lure that was snagged ended up breaking off. I ended up I was able to, I drug a chain around and found that lure, got it to pop free and found it. But the rod is still MIA. I spent probably three, four different days. I went out there and just tried, tried you snagging it. You haven't taken me there yet, Nick. You know, That's right. I'm the, uh... you're my lucky finder. I mean, you know, I contacted the fire department and they actually went <laughs> scuba diving and tried to find my rod. And I swear to God, yeah, no, it was, they were going to be doing a scuba diving activity regardless. Cause I contacted them and I was like, look, do you guys ever do scuba diving out there? And and the one guy was like, yeah, we're actually going to be doing uh, training in two weeks. And I'm like, holy shit, you got to be kidding me. I'm like, would you guys look for this rod? You can find a rod, you can find a body. He's like, dude, that would be a great exercise for, for my guys. And I'm like, yeah. So I give them like, you know, my best position of where it was and he, they went out and tried it, but he was like, visibility was so low. He was like, there was no way anyone was finding anything, you know, That's it just what, was not, not happening. So any of our natural lakes are so hard to see any bit, any distance at all. You'd, so what you're saying is don't fall in on hunks weekend and drown. That's right. You're never yeah. going to be found in Canada. That's probably some of the clearest. Mediocre that's probably the clearest it'll be. Or you might, you might come up, you might come up with a $600 tranks and, yeah. uh, and Nabu set up. So I have, uh, I have some other like major mistakes that I've made. Okay. And, and are still making, <laughs> and I'm sure you guys, you know, can probably attest to this, but I don't want to take, I don't want to monopolize the conversation, but I've got a couple of stories that, you know, kind of lead into why you should do things differently than I did initially. Let's hear it. Have at it. So so the first one is when you buy a musky lure, I feel that one of the first things you should do is probably sharpen the hooks. Uh Right. Okay. So we were at Piedmont and we were trolling and I had just bought a brand new Bagley monster shad in like this really awesome Tennessee, Tennessee shad pattern. Okay. At this point I have never bagged a muskie. Keep in mind. Okay. Never, you know, I, I, I've maybe hooked and lost maybe two fish to this point. We're trolling. The rod goes off, which by the way, was a C4 with the clicker on that, that Cabela's tourney mm-hmm. rod. And 
it was probably i would say probably one of the biggest fish i may see as a musky fisherman whether i'm in ohio or pa i mean it was just an absolute giant fish i mean i couldn't really put a number on it because you know when you don't when you never caught a muskie before you know a 32 inch fish probably looks like a 45 but i mean this thing was giant fish and I'm, I'm working this fish i'm panicking i'm freaking out dan's trying to calm me down and the bait just pops so lost that fish but i continued to run baits without sharpening hooks and the first yeah it's a 46 <laughs> it was an absolute 46 now like i I literally, the first, I would say 10 fish that I contacted trolling and or casting, I lost. So imagine starting off musky fishing, you're putting days and days and days on the water and you're, you're actually hooking fish, but you're losing them halfway to the boat. So those are trolling fish that you're losing that way? Trolling and casting. And I never, to that point, never sharpened a single hook out of a package Mm -hmm. on any bait. Well, it's not something that's conventional with like bat. Like you buy a bass lure and the hooks are so small and the wire is so fine that even like a dull bass hook will still like penetrate a bass mouth. That's so if you make that transition from bass to musky, you're like, oh, uh, these hooks are sharp. Look at them. Like it hurts. It's sharp. It's yeah, not just, sharp. Just run and around. The mus- the musky hook, yep, yep. The musky hook, once you sharpen it and it like even drops on your finger. Yeah, it, it hurts. It's it, painful. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I started sharpening hooks and magically my, my catch percentage went a lot <laughs> higher than zero. Imagine that, you know, it's probably, uh, you know, the first, one of the first tips I would give somebody getting in, you know, make sure when you're buying baits, you're, you're taking the time, not only taking the time, but finding the right sharpener too. you know, take the time to tee your hooks. If you're trolling, you know, to protect those baits and also, take the time to sharpen hooks and, and do that repeatedly. Don't, you know, don't just uh, let the box riders in there and pull it out and, and full send, you know, it might be wor- worth touching those things up every once in a while. Yeah. That's what I noticed, especially like when Owen and I were up in Canada, the just, you know, running the hooks along the rocks and stuff like that. They needed kind of some constant care and feeding just to, keeping the tips you know tuned up and not peened over and stuff like that yeah and i I think nick and i nick and i were both constantly you know making looking at each other making sure we we had a a sharpener because mine kept falling out of my pocket but we were sharpening our lures i mean our, our hooks almost every spot you would go you would pull up to we would yeah. we would be sharpening things because you know even nicking weeds that that will take the the point off of point off I mean, the, bouncing the around in a box even if you throw a bait mm-hmm. in a plano box and there's other baits in there you drive from spot to spot that bait's bouncing in the box the hooks are rubbing on other baits yep and once you get that point so sharp like the way you should have it it doesn't take much to dull it it's like an no. insanely sharp like razor like if you just touch it, it on something that point's bending over so. yeah it's almost the sharper the sharper that you get it the easier it is to dull uh huh yep so I got another one. Yeah, not with it. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah, I, I got one, I got one after you, but I want to hear yeah. another one of Ryan's. Yeah, you sure? I mean, you yeah, can. I, I'm sure. I love Ryan's stories. All right. So, uh, you know, picture me 
bass fishing for years and i'm like i'm starting to get into musky fishing i got my cabela's tourney rod i got my c4 went out and bought the fabled top raider okay i've got two top raiders now that i bought from thorn brothers and i am like dude i am deadly with these things right like i've never used one in my entire life i'm ready to go catch a musky on the first cast i go feel it till you feel it by (laughs) i go up by myself to somerset lake which is out you know out my way here it was really probably one of like two decent musky lakes we we had in this this area pa at the time before it was drained so i go out you know it's springtime the water's really low i go out and i'm like i'm gonna throw this thing so second cast from shore i whip this puppy out there and apparently i wasn't all up on you know the correct knot to throw a bigger what i would consider a bigger bait at that point Um, (laughs) so full send i whip this thing out the freaking line breaks and my top raider goes about 100 yards out onto lake somerset now it didn't stop there because i was like well what the heck like i i tied a regular you know call it a clinch or a cinch knot whatever you want to want to call it but you know i didn't expect that to happen so what i ended up doing was i was trying to cast at this thing to get it back because i could obviously see it out there well you know i thought it might be a good idea if i just you know i got my my boots on my my knee-high boots i kind of worked my way out onto this mud flat and i'm trying to get close and to this bait to cast and i realized probably about 10 15 minutes into that whole exercise i started getting water in my boots nice and then i realized i couldn't move my feet i was completely sinking in the mud and could not move so at this point i panic and i fall flat on my face in the water like just completely floundering around in the mud i'm soaking wet it is like early spring it's freezing cold and i can't i'm like stuck in the mud and i was stuck out there for probably a good solid like 20 (laughs) minutes like trying to get out so i finally get out and then i'm all i'm like i'm already wet so i go back out and i actually did cast another lure i think it was a grandma and i, I got that top raider back and nice. ultimately i had to send it back to thorn brothers because the thing was broken the it, it wouldn't actually you know the, the tail wouldn't actually flip on it so well there's a reason maybe well the moral of this story operator air yeah, yeah. Shrink tube. make sure your shrink tubes all the way shrunken yeah well that's <laughs> another good tip but for this one when you go Classic line fishing, of baits that don't work out of the box. <laughs> yeah. Make, <laughs> sure you, favorites. make sure you have a good knot. You know, learn how to tie a knot before you go out there and start chucking these baits around, especially if you don't have any experience doing it. But isn't that kind of the fun of this is, is these mistakes that, you know, I'm sure we've all made. I mean, oh my goodness. Like the, I can't tell you how, unprepared i was the first time i went to canada like i thought i had i thought i was ready i had went to dicks i had bought some flat sticks i had bought some i like the the musky mayhem stuff was too expensive so i went on uh what was the i can't think what the hell is it it's not the dominatrix like oh yeah 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 Yep. What I, I forget what what uh but but man I was just so not not prepared 
to cast double tens. I was not prepared to, to do any of this stuff. Uh, the first time I, I really went, went out fishing and I was convinced I was like loaded with musky gear. I'm like, man, we totally know what we're doing. And then <laughs> it's like, holy cow, we're so woefully unprepared for where we are and what we are trying to do that it really opened, opened my eyes. Like if you want to come to, if you want to really go fishing for muskies, like, yeah, it's, it's good to have, you got to have one solid rod that you can count on. And I didn't have that. You know, I think we're all saying that like our first rods were not sufficient. If we had all started off with a, a nine and a half foot extra heavy rod, extra heavy rod. And, uh, you know, in a tranks 400, we'd all probably have started off better than we did right yeah oh yeah donnie what's your story now i'm like really really curious (laughs) i wasn't so much a story as you know we were talking about mistakes that we made getting going whatever and i just think for me uh i'm probably the biggest mistake that i made and i'm sure a lot of people i think are in this boat and probably some of you guys too is you know, you, you get into this and, and then you start reading Muskie Hunter and you're watching YouTube videos and, and, and then you go to the Muskie Max and you see all of these baits and, and all of these different things. And before that, what did you, what did you have to go by? A few flat sticks and a couple Muskie Mayhem bucktails yeah. from Dick, like Owen was saying. And you go in there and, and it's like a kid in a candy store for the first time. You buy all this different stuff that you see other people using in magazines and on TV or, or what have you, and you have no idea how to actually use it. And then you go out and instead of taking the time, and this was probably my biggest mistake anyway, in my opinion, is instead of taking the time to just pick a couple baits and, and really learn how to use them and use them correctly and effectively where I fish, it was... I had a million different things because I just wanted to buy, buy, buy everything that I thought was going to catch a muskie or that someone else told me was going to catch a muskie, but not, not knowing how to use it. It's all, it's, it's basically worthless. It's useless until you learn how to use it and use it correctly. So instead of buying, you know, spending thousands of dollars, the muskie max on, you know, every different casting lure and bulldog and, jerkbait bucktail and whatever you know keeping it simple and just you know, getting yourself a couple bucktails and and you know a couple whatever you know a raptor jerkbait like we talked about last episode they're easy to work and, and they catch fish everywhere and just a few baits and, and just really taking the time to figure out how to use them effectively is is just probably the best advice i feel like i can give somebody i think in. i think that's a that's a great point uh, and I think I, I kind of got lucky because my first muskie I caught was on a bucktail. It was trolling a bucktail way behind a canoe that I was paddling. And, uh, but that kind of, you know, that told me, Hey, these fish will, will hit a bucktail, a spinner bait, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it gave me the confidence to always, anytime I wanted to go fish for muskies, I knew like, Hey, if I throw a bucktail, there's, there's a chance that then a muskie will hit it. And sure enough, I had success with it. So I, I immediately had confidence with that. Where, whereas if I hadn't had fast, I guess, quick results with that, 
that's where you can really get into, okay, how do I, you know, you go through a million different things, right. but you I never fall down but, the but, rabbit hole. You start exactly. blaming yourself. You're like, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not using the right baits. I have to go buy right. more. But I've found in my personal experience that I've had kind of the, the opposite effect that I feel like there's times where I'm not catching muskies because I'm so dedicated to my one way of fishing, which mm-hmm. is catching, which is casting bucktails, you know? And so I feel like that's probably something that I didn't learn on the fly as much as I should have, because, you know, you, uh, confidence means a lot. So everybody wants to throw that bait that they've caught a muskie on before. And with, with me, that's bucktails, but with everybody, you know, if you don't have that, that type of initial experience with one bait, like you've got to try to try a bunch of different things. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to throw Ryan Reed completely under the bus here because he's the polar opposite of that. He likes to change lures every three casts because (laughs) he he doesn't have the confidence in like one bait. So I noticed that's like an ongoing mistake is like two casts with like a bucktail and then like, nah, I'm not feeling it. I'm going to go two casts with a glider. Nah, I'm not feeling it. Two casts with like a topwater. So I'm going to throw him under the bus. I'm going to let him talk about that one. Let, let me just let me let me backtrack a little bit because what Donnie said is probably my most I think the term I would use is egregious mistake because honestly like getting into this you're the exact opposite of Owen like my head was freaking spinning still you know, does and it does and it's it's one of those things that never goes away because there's always yeah. this internal battle of you know the more you you do this you, you kind of also turn into a collector as much as you are, you know, a fisherman trying to use these things to catch fish. But, you know, where I, where I struggle personally and where I make mistakes is, is exactly what Donnie said. I went out and bought a bunch of baits that I didn't know how to use. And then I was, you know, essentially just sitting there like, well, I really suck at this because I can't catch fish. But truth be told, you know, we're out there trolling. I have no idea how deep this bait I have on goes. You know, I spent two years trolling Shayla shads in like 25 feet of water. You know, that bait's getting maybe four down on a good day, five down, you know, it's, and I'm not saying you can't catch fish that way, but I'm saying your percentage goes up whenever you start running your trolling lures at bait or something, some type of structure where, you know, there's fish. So, you know, like not knowing what you're doing with these baits, not understanding what they do depth wise, or not understanding what I'm doing with a casting bait. You know, you can buy a Raptor, but if you don't know how to work jerk baits and you're straight retrieving it, you have no idea what you're doing. You know, so it's like I, I spent all this money up front and what all it did was confuse me more because then I had a bunch of baits that didn't catch fish, you know, in my eyes when realistically every single bait I own catches fish. Yeah. yeah. There's just an application for it that you have to you have <laughs> to learn. And and I think you know, to that point is I'm never really truly comfortable casting actual musky baits because this goes back to my, you know, my bass roots. And the one thing I've always, that's been just really eating at me over the last like two or three years as a musky fisherman, you know, this is really my only, my second, second full year, just focusing on muskies. You know, last year was my first full year. Now I've been fishing for muskies for five or six years, but you're talking five, 10 trips a year, you know, you, you've got to put time on the water, but like where I'm at is I never really caught muskies on musky type baits, thus 
the ugly sticks, particularly in the winter, you know, thus bass baits, thus the four and a half inch grandmas that I always talk about, you know, that's where my confidence is because that's where I've, I've caught fish. Now, going to Tom's point, you know, on the Allegheny river during that tournament with me already not feeling super confident or comfortable in, you know, let's say, a, uh, I don't know, what are those, uh, any bait, really any bait that I had put on that day. Um, it's, it's easier for you to get into that. Like I need to switch this or I need to mm -hmm. change this up or I, you just don't feel right casting it because you just, you don't have the confidence in it. So I think, you know, Donnie, if I would really sit down and focus on like a particular lure, like even whether that's Owen's bucktails or it's a Mark King glider or whatever it is, if I would just focus on that bait and throw it all day, I might catch a fish and all it takes is one fish to get confidence, mm -hmm. but that's it. I mean, that's my, that's my internal struggle right now is casting musky lures. And, you know, quite honestly, that's why I've been trolling a lot more because guess what? That's where my confidence is at. Well, it's like a funny thing. Cause like when you're start, like at the position you're in, the right thing to do is like put a lure on and like not take it off. Mm -hmm. Like become like an like if it's a double weight bucktail, like you become like the best. Just double keep throwing it. Fisherman yep, right. World. And yeah. you just know, you know, like if I if I wait two seconds before starting my retrieve, this thing is two feet down. Mm -hmm. If I wait five seconds before, like you know everything about that bait, but then you hit a certain point when you get good at a bunch of baits, and like you have an arsenal going, where you then that like bait OCD kicks in, like you're fishing a bait, and you're like, all right, this isn't getting down far enough. I got to switch this. But up yep. until you have that like confidence and that that like clue, you just you, you got to pick a bait. You got to learn everything about it, become an expert with that like one bait. Yeah. And it it took me a while to get there. And, you know, like right now I'll, I'll, I'll say trolling like I really feel confident. And, you know, those three style, the three types of baits that I've been running. And that's really any of the Wileys, the Leos and, and the Legend perch baits. I mean. And part of that is, you know, with a fish hawk, now I understand where those baits are running with X amount of line out on my reels, you know, where Donnie and I are out fishing, we're looking at the graph. Hey, look, there's bait eight, 10 feet down. Well, now I know how to get there. Whereas, you know, six years ago, I was chucking my C4 off the back of the boat, like as far as that thing would go and we're trolling and we're trolling anywhere from two miles an hour to, you know, seven miles an hour. We have no idea what we're doing, but you know, it's like you spend more time on the water, you get confident. And I think that's my problem. If I would cast more and I would have confident confidence in a specific bait, I would probably end up catching a fish. And then, you know, that's where you, like you said, Tom, you build that arsenal and you're, you yeah, gain yeah. confidence and you just, you get better as an angler. Yep. That's one thing where like, if I was, you know, taking somebody that was just starting out, I think I would steer them towards fishing a uh, body water that had pike in it as well as muskies. And then, you know, I mean, you're going to get so many more opportunities with pike. Mm -hmm. They strike in a pretty similar Confidence. way. Yeah. Reps. You know, I mean, if you're catching pike, eventually you'll catch a muskie. Uh, so that's uh, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, my biggest recommendation to build your confidence is get hits. You know, even if they're not the target species, you're getting something getting used to dealing with the, the toothy buggers in the net and stuff like that. That's a good point about the pike because it, it really does make a difference when you're, when you can't find fish and you're, you're, you're seeing. Yeah. You'll really drive yourself pike. crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, it, it definitely helps out confidence-wise. And confidence goes so far with with musky fishing, and I, I'm convinced of that. And I think that about kind of everything in life. If you are confident in what you're doing, your results are going to be better than if you were not confident. Uh, that just no matter what you're doing in life. Yeah. But, but, uh, but uh oh, we're losing Owen. Extremely confident yeah. with a, a certain couple baits. Yeah. Oh. oh. We back. Owen, you're there, buddy. He's yeah. frozen. Oops. You're frozen. You're back. My back? Kinda. You know, you should really All just right. get your own Wi-Fi instead of stealing the neighbor's Wi-Fi. Yeah, how about that. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that illegal? He's gonna have to start doing these from Hunks HQ. Yeah. So, so am I back here or what? You're yeah, back. You're good. you're good. All right, good. Seems good. Be. Well, anyway, so let's let's talk a little bit about what do we have planned for the fall in terms of what are you know, what does everyone what is what do we want to do? I'd like to catch just literally one more muskie this year. Like I like I don't care what happens. I'm not going to have a ton of time on the water. I'm going to have, you know, hunks weekend, but other than that, I'm not going to be fishing a ton between now and, and when the season ends. So I'm trying to put one more in the bag just to make myself feel and feel a little bit better. I know you guys are out there fishing more than me. So give me a little bit about what you plan to do this fall and what your hopes are. Who wants to go For first? Anybody. On everybody at one time now. <laughs> uh, I guess my goal this fall is to catch a late, late season trolling fish. Like uh, usually in late November, early December, there's kind of a weird bait accumulation in a couple of lakes I fish where bait just stacks up from like five to 15 feet down and you'll mark nice hooks outside of it. I've yet to actually connect with one of those fish, but they've been there consistently the last few years. Uh, I'm hoping I can just uh, tough it out through the weather and get one to bite. Oh. All right, so Tom, how about you? I mean, other than Ryan and I upholding our uh, very, uh, what's the word? Here we go. Very, our very important reputation as Hunks Weekend champions. Um, <laughs> other than that, I would just say. That's not happening. Yeah, we have more competition this year, so well, a couple I'll other sticks. Me, me, and Owen are coming for you. Yeah, you know it. Coming for the belt. Well, I don't know. I mean, uh, coming for that belt. Yep. Wow. Fall, I'm not that confident, honestly. So my, I think my fall goals are just fish more for muskie in the fall. Put a little more fall time on the water and get confident in the fall because right now, out of like all the seasons. Like, even counting winter, fall is, like, my least confident. And that sounds crazy because you hear, like, how fall is, like, the ideal time to musky fish. But I get, like, fish OCs. That's in kind the fall. of – There's, like, so many yeah, things I mean, to fish for in the fall. I would – We lost yeah. you again. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. It's all I good. just get distracted in the fall because, I mean, you have, like, the – we obviously – we live in Pennsylvania, so you have your Lake Erie, like, the, everybody knows the steelhead run. And Tom's cat fishing gets, Yeah, yeah. And catfishing gets good. I mean, like, everything gets good in the fall. So, like, I think my goal this year is to just, like, dial it back and try to, like, focus on muskie a little more in the fall. 
build that I like kind of confidence. I like hearing that. Let's still have well, let's, well, don't don't get don't get no steelhead. That, yeah, that, that means we're still going steelhead fishing. But. What I heard there was no steelhead all my no, 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 79 no. North's closed. Sorry. Yeah. Stay home. Put the crocs away and bring out the boots. We'll, we'll bring out the croc boots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you don't you hear much about crocs on the boat. Mm-hmm. You don't no. hear a ton about 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 like the late fall trolling bite like you do in Canada and you know like the the almost up to ice out type of you're gonna catch the biggest muskie of your life because they're just packing on the pounds because they're you know they're gonna be under ice for the next six months. You don't see that as much here in Pennsylvania as you do in 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 Canada or in I guess in yeah in 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 upstate New York because really I guess I'm thinking of Mike Lazarus and those guys that just insist that that's the the greatest time to catch fish. Also here in Pennsylvania it seems like you lose you know probably half of your fishermen once you know whatever the end of summer holiday is there. And then you lose like the other ninety percent once you get the first frost, mm-hmm. and then plus you get you get deer season and right. all that. Yeah. It, a lot of guys start leaving the water, and then also just like Tom said, you know, you got people trout fishing and all that mm-hmm. other stuff. There's, you 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 definitely lose a lot of fishermen on the water. At least musky fishing competition, I feel like, pretty much right at right at the end of september uh which i'm okay with yeah let everybody else get up in those deer stands i'll be on the water i can promise you that it's (laughs) definitely nice to be the only person only trailer in the parking lot nobody else around but it's also nice when you can talk to you know your fellow fishermen and get a little intel where they're hitting what patterns have been working you're you're really on your own in late season I I will uh I will say that I quit deer hunting to pursue musky fishing in the fall. I put my bow away, I retired my slug gun, and I've gone full bore on musky gear to be able to do this. And I was trying to explain this to 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 Charlie the other day when we were talking, you know, it was like talk about september being you know a really good month for big fish here Um, a lot of people you know might feel skeptical about that but we've seen some really big muskies in september and for me i kind of throttled it back in september because i'm really looking forward to october october is my month where i feel like you know all the the same reasons you guys said a lot of guys are off the water now uh they're getting ready for for bow season you know, October to me, you get you get that cooler air coming in. Uh, you get that that change of leaves, that crisp smell in the air. I mean, October is my favorite month to be outdoors. And, you know, really, I've, I've started really loving musky fishing in the fall and winter. And that's my biggest thing is I'm looking forward to chasing these fish in the month of October and, and even into November. I would say you know, what I'm most excited about is putting some of these baits in and, you know, whether you're trolling or casting, you know, I, I I just feel like when you start putting 10 inch baits on or 
like a 13 inch grandma. Like I just feel like I'm musky fishing and I feel like this is the time of year where I can start doing some of that. I'm not saying you can't fish that stuff all year long, but you know, the perch baits come out. Uh, you know, I've got some Ziggies for this fall. I've got, uh, you know, my, my 10 inch Jake's my nine inch grandma's, you know, those are the types of baits that I'm really pumped to run. And, uh, you know, hopefully contact at least one big fish. I mean, that's, for me over the next two months, that's my goal is I want to catch, you know, what I would consider a big fish, which to me is probably, you know, mid forties, upper forties. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can get there, but you know, it's, uh, we're going to, we're going to probably continue to bump some subs, but you know, that's my goal is I just want one big fish in that cold, cooler air. Bumping subs, grilling sausages all day on the boat. That's the other thing. <laughs> grilling sausages in the fall, boys. There ain't nothing like. All it. right. So what's so what's uh, our plans? So what's our plans moving forward with the Musky Hunks podcast? Do we want to? Well, uh, you know, where do we see ourselves going here in the next couple of episodes? Where's so now. Before before we answer that though, Donnie, did you get to go on that last one? What are you looking forward to in fall? I think uh, we no, just went yet. Uh, Honestly, for me, fall is, uh, it's the same thing every year for me. It's, it's, I look forward to one thing and one thing only, and that's casting the rivers for a big fish. Uh, you know, that that's the time of year where I feel most confident that it's going to happen. Like you said, the, the, the recreational boat traffic's down. Uh, the, there's a lot, a lot of fishermen on the water. The big fish are there. They're eating at least enough uh and i i haven't hit that big big fish that i've been looking for yet but i've seen them i've hooked a few over the years i just haven't been able to seal the deal but that's my goal every year that's 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 what i'm after it's it's getting out on the rivers and and chasing one big bite doing it casting more than anything else that's that's the goal for me right on sorry owen i didn't mean to I just wanted to make sure we got we got Donnie boy in there. We lose Owen. I think, I think Owen's frozen again. He has quite a, perplex, a perplexing look on his face here in the, <laughs> in the Zoom video. We Very stoic. He, he locked up. He didn't even know what to oh, say. There he goes. So where are, we, where are we going with this uh, with this hunks thing? You know, we got hunks week, weekend coming up here. Uh, what is that? The We're going to just say the – weekend of the 16th but we got a couple of days there to get out and stretch, it out stretch it out some i uh Wait, when is hunks weekend again it's like the uh 15th six i think it's 16th okay. is a saturday but we're gonna not go next up. weekend but the weekend after yes Two we're weeks. gonna go up a couple days early i think tom i'm gonna meet you up there thursday yeah. morning right so we're gonna have we're gonna cast all day we're gonna put one lure on and you're gonna get confidence in it yeah, I do want to cast all day. Cast it until the paint comes off of it. Fish doesn't but, count if we're not there yet. So I mean, you pre-fishing. You want, but well, the, you guys dream the up. dream team has to pre-fish it so we can uphold our very prestigious reputation. For me, we don't year, need any practice. No. Hunks weekend is Friday because I got a I got a trip I got a date with uh, Mr. Vance Kalos up on uh, Chautauqua Lake, a little unfinished business up there. Yeah, Ryan's Ryan's too cool for us. You know, he's yeah. he's gotta he's gotta leave and, and go fish. He's gonna bail out fish up at Chautauqua. Well, you know. Are you coming back Saturday, Ryan? Or is that I'm, it for you when you leave? I have to be home Sunday. 
uh, for family stuff, but I haven't decided yet. If it's a really long day, I might I might ask Owen if I can crash Saturday night on my way back, get up early. Dude, come up. I mean, by all means, dude, you don't even have to ask. Like, just stop, come by and, and stay the night. I mean, it's so much easier than you driving all the way home. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. You know, if I get a if I get a big fish in a net up there on Saturday, I might have enough juice to make the trip all the way, but we'll see. I have a feeling it's going to be another tough one. I always have a tough run on uh, Chautauqua, but yeah, That's I mean, a good, I, I, good yeah. time of year. I mean, we were right probably a hundred yards away from Vance when he landed. I think a fifty-three and a half last year this time of year. Yeah. So big fish weather, big fish time of year. I don't know, boys. I love this. Uh, I love this format. I mean, for me, this this podcast. I feel like this is a lot of fun, and you know, hopefully, uh, the input. You know, people like this, and you know, I'd like to see some questions and and some things from guys. I know um, we've got a couple of guys in the club that have been that listened to the first episode and liked it. You know, we've got a couple of guys that are just getting into musky fishing that reached out to me. So I think uh, you know, Owen, to your point here, I think we try to keep this thing rolling and, you know, just try to bring some topics and, and things that, that are going to help some people out and, and maybe try to learn something new. Absolutely. And I think we, we want to start, you know, the, these first couple episodes, we've been trying to give a background of who we are, what we're doing, why we're doing this. I went, we want to get started with some guests here in the net, you know, in the next couple episodes, we haven't decided exactly who, who's going to be number one or you know when it's going to happen but we're hoping to be able to bring another perspective to things maybe some guests that you don't hear on other podcasts maybe some more local guys who knows you know we really don't know where this is going to take us um it may take us no place or it may turn into something bigger so justin bieber just, might end up on here you never know you i mean are, you are Swift, a, bieber you're you're a believer aren't yeah. you yeah uh, yeah yeah, yeah. He's a believer right. in the uh, in the good old fashioned bead. Yeah, the the eerie steelhead bead. I believe anal in the bead. anal bead. Yeah. yeah, hashtag steelhead beads. Yep. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. No, Ryan, I agree. I want like if anyone has suggestions, any you know suggested topics, suggested guests, things you'd like us to talk about. Uh, you know, we're we're all learning here. We're all trying to find our way and I, I know we are enjoying this we hope that other people are enjoying it as well yeah agreed yep. i would say in summary for this episode what we learned ryan reed needs a life alert bracelet for when he goes waiting yeah <laughs> oh and i have left like a g at the bottom of various lakes treasure yeah tom would rather trout fish than musky fish especially if sometimes. Big muskies. We sometimes yeah and Donnie is uh, in search of river monsters. Yeah. The next Absolutely. Jeremy Wade. How about this? I'll leave with – I'll leave. Jeremy with... Wade catches them, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the only problem. I'll leave me on, like, one final mistake, and I think it was, like, the cardinal mistake I made, like, starting out musky fishing. Going steelhead so, fishing. Yeah, that. Exactly. Getting on Instagram. Yeah. Actually, kind actually of. Starting. Yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah. It kind of. Yeah. What that, other that, actually, that actually is a great. Yeah. I, I said that as a joke, but is but that it's what you're kind of true. Tom? 
Yeah. So like Is that when you, where first... you were going with the social media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like when you first start out muskies, like say well, how I started, I I mean I didn't know. I thought I was like the first person in Pennsylvania to go muskie fishing, which was stupid. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I was like, I was so happy about musky fishing. Like I, every day I was like motivated to go out. If I didn't catch one, I didn't care. Like I was catching one fish a season and I was on top of the freaking world. I thought I was like the best musky fisherman ever. And then you join social media and you see what like the next guys do. And you see like, oh, Joe Schmo's catching like 12 fish a day. I suck. And then you start to get like down on yourself and you start to like fall out of love with it and starts to lose like some of the mystique. Like, don't let that happen. Like, don't care about what like that, unless it's like useful information that's going to help you get better. Don't like get discouraged because Joe Schmo's catching 400 fish a season. You're only catching one. Like your one fish is just as important as his 400. If you're learning, your fish is important. That's a great point. Yeah, I would Especially say don't that's, get discouraged. that's probably oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ned. Go ahead, Don. Don't get discouraged when you know famous people start following you and then the next time you look, they unfollow yep, you just, yep, to get, yep, yep. just to get the follow back. It's all <laughs> I know the musky hunter's been there. Oh. And then he leaves. <laughs> there and back again. The right. hobbit's tail. Yeah, just just don't join like the pissing competition that is the internet. Like, just do it for you. Like, just go out, have fun. If you don't catch anything, don't tell yourself you suck because some other guy caught twenty. Just, just do it. And have and fun. It, however, however it's fun to you, go have fun because that's the point. It, of it. If you do get discouraged and frustrated trying to chase these beautifully frustrating fish, one thing you because you do, will. Because yeah. you will. One thing you, you can do will. is look up your local muskies Inc. chapter in the city of Pittsburgh. We're talking chapter 16, Three Rivers, and you meet guys like all of us here. This is how we basically met each other through the club. Shoulders to cry on. Shoulders to cry yeah. on, and you get a ton of information that will help you grow as an angler. I mean, bottom line. It's like a support group. It really is. Yep. <laughs> it is. I am a musky holic. Musky Muskies anonymous. Muskies anonymous. Mm-hmm. There you go. I mean, it is. It's the truth, though. I mean, it. Social media can ruin you, and I feel like you know, if you, if you uh, maybe don't let that bother you, or if you are frustrated, check out the club. I mean, you can meet some really good people that'll get your uh, get your confidence up and, and help you. I mean, that's how that's how I learned how to fish creeks and stuff. You know, Evan Shaw's reached out to me and helped me. So. If it wasn't for Muskie's Inc., I wouldn't, yeah. uh, I wouldn't have been catching fish on Ugly and That's fish. the thing. It's a double-edged sword because, like, I'm pretty sure I'm looking now at the top of my screen. I think I met every one of you through social media, which is a good thing. So you have good things and you have bad things. you got to find the balance. You can't, like, if, if your thing is to be more of a people watcher and not post every fish you catch, like, I know Nick. Nick doesn't shit on anyone for posting pictures of their muskie. Just like I don't, I wouldn't shit on Nick because he doesn't want to post his musky. Like it, it's everybody uses social media for different things. So use it to learn. Don't get discouraged. Don't compare yourself to everybody. Just have fun. And when uh, Musky yeah. Zinc's always there to be the the jock strap slash bra of musky fishing. We'll hold yeah. you up, you know, support each other. The jock strap of musky fishing. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, it's accurate. Also, wow. don't get don't get weirded out when you're at your local Gander Mountain and some guy yells across the 
the the aisle at you and says, "Hey, Ryan Reed, <laughs> that's how I met Tom in person." Uh-huh. He looked terrified. He looked like I was. He looked like I was the wall. going out of out of business sales. Uh huh. <laughs> we were hitting that sixty off liquidation sales. Oh, he <laughs> was. Yeah, he was loading up on all kinds of steelhead stuff to get a bull. Well, how I because I watched your I watched Ryan's videos and I didn't I never really met him, but I could hear his voice from like three aisles over. Like, What's up, Yins guys? Yeah, What's up, I, Yins guys? I, I immediately <laughs> stopped what I was doing and I was like, "That's Ryan Reed over there. I'm gonna go say hi to him." And I sure was CPA, Ryan Reed. That was after, one of the first times after he realized I wasn't trying to rob him. We got into like a nice little friendly discussion, and from there it was just all unicorns and rainbows and yeah i spent a lot of time avoiding trips to keystone power dam (laughs) (laughs) tomorrow's the day tomorrow we're gonna say saturday saturday's the day tomorrow okay I went I went there with Tom one time. We conquered a tiger and I'm never going back. Boom, baby. (laughs) Bonnie did what he came for. (laughs) So, So Tom, is that what you do? You jig for them there? I mean, I, I truly, I know nothing about, it. like, I have no good patterns. I was just, <laughs> we had some success doing that. So now he's it's allegedly like, like, seen some. Where'd yeah. you get that well, idea, Tom? But, yeah, really. So like, we're all Ryan said earlier. Where'd you get like, that idea? Yeah. Well, Donnie was the, the brains behind that operation. But like Ryan said earlier, like up until, I mean, even now I have no confidence doing this, like this, like this tiger hunting thing. So I had some success jigging. And I'm sticking with it because I, I know like when I'm doing it right, I'm going to try to become the best tiger jigger ever until I move on to like another tactic rather than like getting overwhelmed with 500 different tactics. The best tiger jigger. Best tiger <laughs> jigger in the planet. Why does that, why does that sound so awful? Why? Just, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the worst thorn bush you could ever get oh tied up. Oh my God, in. it's awful. <laughs> Jaggers. Well, I don't know, Owen. What are you thinking? You got your you got your kitty cat there. Is it time to wrap this one? Yeah, my cat just took off there. I thought we were supposed to talk about where we were going with this thing. Did we talk about that yet? I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) Up, up and away. Well, I think I think where we're going is that we want to have some local guests on to get started. So I think that's probably where we're going to get started. We haven't set up exactly who our local guest is, but we have a couple ideas. So everyone kind of stay tuned. I, I don't I don't think we're going to do this every single week, but I think maybe every other week we'll, we will probably be able to put out an episode and we'll see what we can do. If it if people enjoy it, please, please, please tell us that you do and, and let us know because we don't know what we're doing. I know what I'm doing. I got I got a couple more flights here to finish. Get up early, go fishing with the Dan man. I'm ready. Go. Make where sure you, you put the boxes where they belong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just Everything fish where I told you, Ryan. Yeah, I'm gonna try. We're going fish big where fish I told you. tomorrow. Nick knows that area. It's loaded with anchor ropes, if nothing else. Well, Ooh, there you, you go. going there? Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm going there. We caught we caught three uh, spotted ones Sunday. Ooh, what Spot, spotted anchors? Yeah, I'm gonna need you to. <laughs> I'm gonna need to do the phone a friend. You're gonna have to send me uh, GPS coordinates. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. 
All right, boys. Well, hey, this has been another good time. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, and hopefully, people have enjoyed it as well. And please let us know if you have. If you haven't, well, keep your mouth shut. Boom. How about that? Hey, yep. special yeah. special thank you to uh, Big O's Bucktails for sponsoring the Musky Hunks. Whoop whoop. Special thanks to uh, Donnie Dinkswink Outdoors, Tom Pennsylvania Monsters Instagram. Musky Hunk. <laughs> and Nick Beasler, the man, the myth, the eerie legend that is. Thank you guys very much for another episode. And uh, what? We'll catch everybody uh, maybe in a week, two weeks. All right, boys. All right, guys. Soon. Later. Later. Later.